Hello, welcome to a Donorom Monologue Podcast. I am your host, as normal for these monologue podcasts, Just Bo. Uh, and uh, again, we, we want to uh, thank and encourage you to check out our sponsor, Ashley Luann K on Instagram. Uh, it is just a wonderful resource of nursing, uh, lifestyle, education, occupation. Uh, check her out. The link is in the description of this video as normal. Again, that is Ashley Luann K. You can find that just by searching her on Instagram as well. So, uh, it's no secret on the show, uh, I love Kingdom Hearts, and I'm, it's my favorite video game series of all time. I think it's the most imaginative, brilliant, and most importantly, funnest video game series ever created. And I think, I feel like I mentioned it a lot, because none of the other guys at Donnarum like Kingdom Hearts. They've never played it. They don't know what's going on. Um, there are probably, like, many of us, myself included, who saw Mickey Mouse and Sephiroth in the same commercial in high school and was like... Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I promise you that all melds together well. I promise you it does. And uh, honestly, I think we could just... It, I'm going to talk Don into doing a podcast series with me on... We're going to go through Kingdom Hearts entirely. Each game gets at least one podcast each. Uh, the bigger games like Kingdom Hearts 2 will probably get more than one. I'm, I'm going to convince him to do it with us because I honestly... Uh, the ones I did earlier in our history uh, weren't... That was when we weren't as good. I want to... and. I was kind of jumping all over the place because we weren't as organized. I want to do those right. I want to give Kingdom Hearts its own podcast series done by Donorom. And honestly, I think people would love it because the people that love Kingdom Hearts, the Kingdom Hearts like KISS fans. I also am a card-carrying member of the KISS army. <laughs> so, but uh, Kingdom Hearts fans are like KISS fans. We really love it. We really, really love this thing. So um, I'm excited to do that. But... Uh, I've also spoken to you guys before that my wife and I are just huge uh, Disney nerds. It's one of the things we bonded with each other on very early in our relationship. We both love Disney. Uh, we finally got to take a vacation to Walt Disney World last year. Most magical time we've ever had. We're going back again this year. Uh, we planned our trip in December, so so far all those reservations are still kosher with all the things going on. But uh, I, I love Disney. Um, I always have. And uh, I, I think most kids that were kids in the 90s loved Disney because it was something that was just universally agreed upon by parents, kids like this, and they just, when they had to buy us something, it was that. They'd throw a Disney VHS at us. And thankfully, we had like Aladdin and uh, The Lion King. We had a lot of really cool stuff. But today, I want to talk about, so so bearing those two things in mind, how much I love Kingdom Hearts and how much I love Disney, period, I, I want to talk to you guys about great Disney video games that weren't Kingdom Hearts. These didn't have to come out before Kingdom Hearts. They could have been out after, but uh, it, there are some legendary video games in uh, Disney Interactive, the old Disney Interactive Studios history, um, almost all based on previously established Disney properties. Um, I'm going to go all the way back to the NES for the first one. This is a legendary game. People love it to this day, and the music is such a huge part of why they do. DuckTales. Uh, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to find people in my generation that didn't love DuckTales. It was action-adventure. Uh, there was always something new going on every episode you tuned in. Uh, it, it, there was just something about Duck. Adam, did you watch DuckTales as a kid? Oh, woo! Um, to this day, if my wife walks in while I'm taking a shower, I don't sing in the shower. But if she does walk in while I'm taking a shower, I will autom if I if I hear the door open, I'll just go, lasers, race cars, airplanes. <laughs> um... It's just uh, it's an iconic television show of my generation. 
and it had a great video game, a legitimately good platforming video game. And there were several elements that made this game good that you knew it was going to be good when you picked up the box. Because even as a child, you understood that video games based on other media sucked out loud when we were kids. They were awful. There was just nothing redeeming about them. It was it was just pure product placement. They just put these barely recognizable sprites from the se- from whatever established series it was onto this screen in a game that was difficult not because it was made to be a challenge but because it just had negligent programming. But it, it was different DuckTales you could tell was different automatically because you picked it up and it was Disney. And Disney not always but tends to carefully involve themselves in any product that is made with their uh, intellectual property. Not always. There's plenty of... I'm sure everyone's already getting ready to light up the comments about the original uh, VHS cover of The Little Mermaid. I get it. They're not omniscient. Um, Adam, I'll explain later. This is a family show. But um, they're not omniscient, but typically they... they Press a pretty hard thumb on whatever is going to be using their IPs. And another thing I told you this is going to be a great game when we were kids is Capcom. This game was made by Capcom, DuckTales for the NES. And uh, any kid when we were kids knows that that meant Mega Man. And so we see that just great 8-bit platforming action taking place in DuckTales. And much like Mega Man, you have a stage select. There's no clear path through this game. You get to go to different stages, and if you if you go to the moon, you will be blessed with the greatest 8-bit music track of all time. Uh, go to YouTube and look up the original 8-bit version of the moon from DuckTales. You will not be disappointed. In DuckTales, it was just a really fun platforming adventure, and it followed the format of the show well. You're globe-trotting, looking for Scrooge's treasure. Of course, Scrooge has plenty of treasure, but he always wanted more, and that was kind of the point of the uh, show, and I I can't remember the game story because let's face it, a lot of these eight-bit platforms we weren't playing for the story. Um, but uh, I don't clearly remember it. But I know on the show, typically Scrooge would get his fortune back, and then it would go to some charity or something, whether he wanted it to or not. But uh, he typically didn't. He um, just because he just because he's a rich Disney character doesn't mean he's not still a rich guy. And what do we say on Donnerom? Everyone with a large amount of personal wealth is evil. That's not true, but um, most of most of them, but not all of them. Uh, Art Carnegie seemed like he was probably a pretty nice guy. Anyway, so that was Ducktales. Um, again, Ducktales is amazing, be- chiefly because of its gameplay. Uh, so there's nothing I could really tell you about that. Uh, you had to pogo around on his uh, cane and and knock people out. It was it was great, and the level design is just mwah, magnifico. It's just an incredible um, example of great eight bit platforming. And so uh, we'll, we'll move on from there into the next generation of video game, into the uh, fifth gen of video game? No, no, not fifth, fourth. The four, um, no, the fifth, uh, the Super Nintendo and such. So in, in no, bleh. Whatever, we're going on to another generation of video games. I can't remember now. Um, wait, PlayStation 2 was sixth, so fifth would have been 64 and Sony, so yeah, uh, fourth. Um, so we're going into that and with the uh, SNES and the Sega Genesis and two iconic games that just saw a re-release on the Switch and I believe the other major platforms. Um, by the way, DuckTales is actually, a, uh, you can actually get that as part of the uh, Disney Afternoon Collection. The collection of digital games that was for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and I believe the Switch. It just collects four games. Uh, I believe it's, because uh, the only one I play is DuckTales. I can't remember. I think Tailspin's in there, which had a decent game. DuckTales 2, which was decent. And uh, Darkwing Duck, which I don't, 
I think it's Darkwing Duck. I don't remember Darkwing Duck being decent. I think it was just kind of hard. But um, speaking of hard, uh, Aladdin and the Lion King for the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. There's not much difference between the, I think the uh, definitive version of Aladdin was for the Genesis, but I believe it had a port to SNES. And I believe it was just the opposite for the Lion King. I believe the Lion King was more famous for its SNES one. And But I, again, I don't remember. I do remember these were great games, though. These were great platformers. And the challenge was unreal. It was an incredible challenge. Uh, there was a joke forever on these old guy gaming websites um, about you kids think Dark Souls is tough. <laughs> Back in my day, we had the Lion King. And Excuse me, I've been talking a lot. Adam just told me earlier that people love my show because I don't take a lot of pauses. So um, I can't stand, I hate success. I'm going to do everything I can to sabotage myself. But uh, The Lion King and Aladdin, the challenge was so incredibly real. But you hear this a lot when people talk about old Castlevania games. Yes, there's challenge. And yes, there's frustrating challenge. But it's a rewarding one. It doesn't feel cheap when you die. It might at the moment you die because you're like, gosh, that's so cheap. Why do they make it that way? But you can find a way around it and you can get better at the game. It's not like negligible difficulty where the game's just super difficult because no one actually took time to play test it before they just slapped a stupid, like the stupid X-Men game for Nintendo. But um, we uh, Aladdin and uh, The Lion King, it just follows the story of the movies and the graphics are just beautiful 16-bit graphics. It looked like a side-scrolling version of the movie. Uh, very well done, meticulously well done. Uh, you get collectibles and stuff like that, just like any good platformer of the day. Intense combat. Aladdin even had uh, a level where you were escaping the uh, the uh, uh, Cave of Wonders and you're on carpet uh, in sort of a, a side-scrolling, uh, you know, a side-scrolling uh, spaceship suitor, kind of like a, a Gradius or something like that. Excellent, excellent game. Uh, very tight gameplay, I guess I would say. So again, those are games that were great due to the gameplay. And I, I want to talk to you about a game now. It came out of the Wii, and this game has great gameplay, a fantastic story, a wonderfully imaginative presentation, and that's Epic Mickey. Um, so this game came out in 2010, 2009, 2010 for the, uh, the Wii. The re and it's a Wii exclusive to this day because uh, so much of its gameplay relied on the Nunchuck controller. The Nunchuck controller was your paintbrush, which I'll explain here in a minute. Uh, the Walt Disney Company had just gotten rights to a character that Walt and Ube Ewerks made before they ever made Mickey, uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Many people don't know this, but Walt Disney did not just start making cartoons working for himself, and he didn't invent the cartoon either. Uh, but uh, I think a, a study of his history will reveal that him and Ube Ewerks absolutely revolutionized uh, animation. And again, I'm not, this isn't a podcast about Walt Disney. I get it. He's got a lot of criticism on him as a person or whatever, but you have to admit, uh, Walt Disney Animation Studio revolutionized uh, animation. If you, if you don't believe me, go watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and compare it to anything else released in 1937. Um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but uh, so the, the Walt Disney Company, um, when, when Walt made Mickey, it was after he had lost his contract with uh, Universal. Universal was originally producing these Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoons, and uh, it turned out Universal owned Oswald. That's why Mickey was invented. They couldn't use Oswald anymore, so they uh, made Mickey Mouse, so that's a little bit of history for you. Anyway, uh, the Walt Disney Company got the rights to Oswald back, um, which is neat because uh, Oswald's actually one of my son's favorite little iconographic 
things. So he was all about the Oswald. There's a little bit of Oswald merch at Walt Disney World now that we got him a couple pins or something. But uh, so they got the rights to Oswald back. And one of the first things they did when they got the IP to this character again was they made a video game about the character before Mickey being jealous of Mickey. That's incredible, guys. That's just such a good idea. And um, it was part of Walt Disney's campaign to, uh, the Walt Disney Company's campaign to remake Mickey. Since the 50s, Mickey went from a average cartoon character that went on all sorts of mischievous adventures into uh, sort of more of a moral icon. And so through the years, uh, the point of Mickey Mouse cartoons has been more to teach kids how to be nice to each other and stuff like that, which is fine. That's what we love about Mickey Mouse. But uh, Walt Disney, back in 2010, uh, the Walt Disney Company wanted to make Mickey back into that adventurous sort of mischievous character. So they thought a good way to do that is a video game. Because they don't have to, you know, a video game is a very, still a very, in that time, a very niche thing that they wouldn't have to blow open the whole characters. Uh, of course, it was successful enough to lead to these uh, new Mickey Mouse and Friends cartoons that you see now, where he even has his older design. Anyway, the game. Uh, Oswald is tricked by a uh, sorcerer. And basically, the whole world loses all of its color, and Mickey has to make the world right again and it, 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 it's all Oswald's working against him because Oswald's jealous that Mickey took the fame Oswald feels he deserves and this game is just incredibly magic the level design is amazing and the gameplay is just ridiculous and boss battles are just so original and inventive and fun and uh, I remember my, uh, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law still buy people Christmas presents no matter how old you are you're getting a present and uh, they always ask me what I want, and it's a very awkward thing for a man, you know, a grown man to say, oh, I want this for Christmas. But they're very insistent. And one year, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I want Epic Mickey. <laughs> I want a Mickey Mouse video game. And I got it. And the looks on everyone's faces is that uh, I was 23, 24 at the time I had a child. How excited I was to get this Mickey Mouse game. at. Uh, but And it wasn't just because I'm a, I'm a Disney nerd. I get it. it. It's weird for grown men to like Disney a lot. I, I, I get that, but I do. But it wasn't just that. It's that this was such an incredibly reviewed video game. I couldn't wait to play it. And I played it for hours and hours. And just there's platforming. There's uh, action RPG elements. Not really RPG elements. I don't want to say that. But there's exploration. There's everything I love in a video game. And, and an engaging story with twists and turns. I loved it. And uh, one element in this game that I think is really cool, that really stands out to me, is there's a uh, level, an area called Mickey Junk Mountain. And it's literally just all the advertising product placement stuff that's had Mickey's face on it collected into a garbage heap. And Oswald sort of sees it as sort of this monument to the ethos of Mickey. Like, look at all this garbage you created because people just can't get enough of you. And really interesting storytelling on Disney's part. Really cool. Um, strongly suggest you check it, check it out. And uh, I'm going to end on a, a game that's just really I didn't mention it earlier. It came out on the Sega Genesis. It was produced by Sega. It's a Sega game with Mickey in it. It's Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse. I'm going to talk about the remake that they made just a few years ago. It, it was for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3. Uh, and you could buy it with backwards compatibility on Xbox One, which I did just the other night, which made me want to do this one. Uh, Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse is a good old-fashioned 16-bit platformer. The remake is awesome because it's a 2.5 platformer. 2.5D. And it is just everything you want in a platformer. 
it's everything you want in a Mario game, everything you want in a, uh, I mean, just all those, like, we had the Bubsies, and so we had all these failed ones that tried to capture the popularity of Mario and Sonic, but uh, Castle of Illusion starting Mickey, you explore a castle, you go to different sp- places that will take you to different stages, and it's just a delight to play. Um, the story isn't all that, uh, it's certainly not as interesting as Epic Mickey, but uh, Minnie, I think, is tending a garden or something, and a sorceress named Miserable kidnaps her, and I know, and Mickey uh, Mickey goes to save the princess. So it's a very traditional platformer. Girls captured, boy goes to save him, and he just happens to be one of the most famous, fictitious, anthropomorphic man, uh, animal couples ever, Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And uh, so you go through this castle, and the level design is just exquisite. Uh, you will always be having fun. Uh, bosses are imaginative. They're fun. It's not super difficult, so if you have young children that are really into Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse, they'll enjoy it too. But um, it, it, any of these games, they're available on current platforms. Please go try them out. Uh, because again, the first metric that we measure a game by is whether or not it's fun. So, uh, And if you can't, uh, if you don't have access to a Wii to play... Um, or Wii U to play uh, Epic Mickey. I strongly suggest uh, YouTube and a Let's Play of it because it does have a very fascinating story. It's the second best Disney video game story of all time, of course, following uh, the Kingdom Hearts series as a whole. But I strongly suggest you check uh, check these games out. Any one of them is a great way to spend a weekend. Uh, I highly doubt any of them, except maybe Epic Mickey, will take you longer than a weekend. And, uh, yeah, I I just... uh, The super fun games, they remind me of being a kid. Because, uh, again, when we were kids, we just had Disney stuff thrown at us because our parents were like, well, this is obviously safe, good, and wholesome. So take that. Because they're certainly not going to watch it. I think we're the first generation of parents that actually enjoy things that our kids are doing. Because, um, of course, our parents didn't enjoy sports. They enjoyed screaming at us about sports. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, um, guys, like, share, and subscribe. Do us a favor. Do yourself a favor. Because if you subscribe, you could click the... Uh, the bell and uh we will holler at you when we got a uh, video up and um guys uh, again i just want to mention again uh we've grown exponentially in the past year it's been incredible and uh, one of the coolest ways we've grown is that we're a part of a podcasting network uh, no i'm sorry we're part of a podcasting family uh the rally and i'm i am not being facetious honestly i appreciate that we're a part of this it's really cool uh the rally net rally networks um you'll find links to uh the rest of our uh, our brothers' work um, on any of our websites, any of our video descriptions, stuff of that nature. Please check these other guys out. Not all of these guys are doing video games. Some of them are doing really cool conceptual podcasts. That is not to suggest that the guys that are doing video games aren't, because, of course, video games are the highest form of human achievement. But uh, uh, anyway, our, our pal Keegan runs a uh, show called uh, The Framework of Tomorrow, really cool show uh if you're a history buff or even a futurist it it, it applies to you uh, i'm a huge history buff i love reading about history and uh basically it, it takes the past and sees uh how like paving a road that may be leading uh to something in the future and keegan theorizes and examines where that future is based on the past really really cool stuff guys um so if you're wanting something actual academic <laughs> after listening to me and don talk about how uh Trey has tried to stop the hegelian dialectical and go to um if you're looking for something that maybe has a little bit more meat in it uh please check keegan out but uh, of course don't get hooked on the meat come back to don around as well 
And uh, so, yeah, guys, show some love to the rest of the Rally Network. Great group of guys. Love working with them. And uh, as always, uh, we'll, we'll, we look forward to seeing you. Don't, don't be a stranger, y'all.